epic stories and epic characters are easy to tie myself to, to relate to, but sometimes the stories of the women in the Bible can be unrelatable or, I don't know, just not as epic. But the truth is, is their stories are my stories too. And not just for a time past, but for a time now. Their failures are my failures. They're good, they're bad. It all ends up kind of being beautiful. It's a greater story and we're all part of it. All of it. The good, the bad, and the beautiful. Well, hello. How is everyone doing today? Good. This is a good service. That worship was amazing. So I'm excited to be up here today. We are currently in the series, The Good, the Bad, and the Beautiful, talking about women of the Bible. I am going to be talking about a good woman. Thank goodness I didn't get a bad woman. No one wants to speak on Jezebel. Like, no one was like, I'll pick Jezebel to speak on, right? That's not anyone's desire. And if it is, we'll pray for you after service. We will. But today we're going to be talking about Ruth. And actually this past week, I turned 27. We can still celebrate that because I'm not in my 30s yet and I still like my birthday. It's okay if you missed it. It's Kate Vimber all month long. I like gift cards to Target. I like Starbucks gift cards. Really, any kind of gift card is a good kind of thing to give me. So if you feel like, ah, really should have celebrated her. There's still time to do it. Just joking. I'm just joking. But as I was celebrating and thinking on my 27th year, I was thinking about Ruth. And I was thinking about this woman that she was and and how I so desire my life to look like hers. But then I was thinking, okay, now I'm raising these little boys. I don't have daughters, but I have boys. And I was thinking, God, I want my sons to live a life like Ruth. I want my sons to follow after you like Ruth followed after you. And I want to be an example of that to these boys. So I think if you're sitting in this room, we can learn something, whether you're young or old or male or female, there is something for each and every one of us to look after with Ruth and what she did. But maybe you haven't read it, or maybe it's been a while. So I want to recap a little bit about this story, because storytelling is one of my favorite things to do. So I want to paint a little picture for you. So really, Ruth starts out with this family that has absolutely nothing to do with Ruth. It's Naomi's family. And Naomi and her husband and her two sons are Hebrews, and they're living in Israel. Well, there's a famine that comes to Israel, and it's no longer a place that's livable and sustainable for them. So they go, hey, let's go to Moab. Maybe we can have our new start there. Have you been in that place, right, where we're like, this isn't working here. Let's go see if it works somewhere else. So they go to Moab, and while in Moab, Naomi's husband dies, Elimelech. He's He's dead. He's gone. And Naomi is left without a husband. So then her two sons decide, well, we're living here. Let's really, you know, get into the culture here. We're going to marry two Moabite women. So her two sons marry two women from Moab. And what ends up happening is over 10 years, neither of them have children. Both of the women are barren. And, and Naomi at this point has to be going, God, where are you? 
I've been through a famine. I've lost my husband. I have no grandbabies. And if you are in that place, it's that I was nagged to have children by my parents. So if you're sitting here, this is this is an important thing for people apparently. Is this grandchild and Naomi has no grandbabies to love and to give an inheritance to. And then what happens is her two sons die. So now she is left childless, husbandless, no, no people of her own to lean on. She has these two daughter-in-laws. And sometimes that can look like a rocky relationship, right? No comment. I'm just joking. I love my mother-in-law. But sometimes it can look like that. So Naomi goes, I'm going to go back to Israel. Because at least in this time, I'll be with my people. I'll be what I am familiar with in this moment and in this time. So her daughter-in-laws go with her. They're like, yeah, we're totally going. Orpah and this woman named Ruth. So along the way, three women, widows, traveling all alone on the way back to Bethlehem. And I think Naomi has this moment of like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I going to do with these two girls? Why are we traveling without any safety or any security? You two need to go back to your people. Go back to your people. Go back to what you know. Go, go, leave me because God has turned his fist toward me and you don't want to be with me. God is angry at me. And what happens is Orpah goes, okay, yeah, that actually really makes sense. Orpah probably is the smart one looking at it, right? She's the one who goes, this woman has had a lot of bad luck. I probably don't want to hang around her. So she goes back. And Ruth goes, no, I'm staying with you, Naomi. I'm staying with you. I'm going wherever you go. So they go back to Bethlehem. And Ruth begins to work in this field. And it happens to be this man Boaz's field. And he ends up falling for her, and they get this happy ending, right? But the interesting thing is, before they can even get there, there's this rocky road that Ruth has to go through. And this way of living before she can get there and persevering in all of it. John Piper says it's so amazing. The book of Ruth is really this. The life of the godly is not a straight line to glory, but they do get there. In all the setbacks as a believer, God is plotting for your joy. So my first thing that I want to ask them before we can even get to how do we live a life like Ruth? Like how can we be good like Ruth was good is this. Do you believe that God is plotting for your joy? Because if you don't believe that and you don't grasp that and you can't hold on to that, then it's really easy to go, God, I don't want to be in this. Because in the middle of all the setbacks, in the middle of all these things, it just looks so confusing and it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think a lot of times we think life should look like a perfect put together Rubik's Cube, right? Or maybe it's that. Anyone been to Kansas? Anyone drove on the interstate to Kansas? It's like you drive 50 miles and you think, did I move a minute? Like there's no difference and we think life should look a lot like that. But Jesus tells us this isn't what life looks like. And it often looks like this kind of Rubik's Cube. It's windy and confusing. And this looks like this is never going to be able to be put back together. But in the middle of this season, if we can grab hold of God is plotting for my joy, 
God is holding on to me. When the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. If we can hold on to that truth, we can get through anything. We can go through anything. So Ruth all along knew God is plotting for my joy. God is plotting for my joy, and that's part of what made her so good. But I think what we can learn from Ruth, I think there are three things that we can learn from her on this winding road, or maybe a better way to say it is how to do it God's way in this life. How he wants us to do it while we're walking this winding, confusing, backward, up, don't know which way we're going road. How can we do it his way? And the first thing is this, Ruth was loyal. Ruth was loyal. Ruth 1, 16 through 18 says this, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. So this is the moment where Naomi has told her daughter-in-laws, leave, go. I want nothing. I, I have nothing to give you. I have nothing to offer you. You are better off without me because God is angry at me and surely you don't want to be around that. But here's the amazing thing Ruth says to her. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Because wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And then this, this is the powerful moment. And Naomi, wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Now here's the thing. I think this is a moment of oath to Naomi of saying, from this point forward, I'm going to be loyal to you. But before that, really, Ruth owes Naomi nothing. Her husband has died. There's no more contract there. She is absolutely not obligated to go with Naomi. But you want to know why she went with Naomi? It wasn't because of Naomi. It was because of God. And I have to think, after 10 years, she had already made a relationship with God. And here's the truth. Even if she went back to the old place that she was from, she was not the same person. And the truth of it is, even in your hardest moments, sometimes the enemy comes in and goes, hey, maybe you should just give up. Maybe you should just turn back and go back to what you were doing because then you weren't struggling. Then it was easy. But church, I want to tell you today, if you go back to that town, if you go back to that place, if you go back to your old people, back to your old ways, you are not the same, so it will not ever be the same. It will not ever look the same. No matter how hard you try, God has changed you from the inside. And you can never deny that. And you can never get rid of that, of that calling of come to me. It's the prodigal. And our father is always calling us and always waiting on us and always saying, come back to me. Come back to me. And Ruth recognized this. She would never be the same person again because she made an oath long ago to God. I'm loyal to you. I am loyal to you. I don't want to go worship those other gods that the Moabites know. I want to worship you. I want to look to you, and I want to give my life to you wherever that leads and wherever that goes. And then Ruth does this amazing thing, and this is what loyalty looks like. She tells Naomi, where you live, I will live. 
which I think is the easy, it's the convenience of, well, when you're alive and when things are good and when there's life in a situation and life in a relationship and when God is pouring out and all these things happen, it's so easy to say, yes, I will follow you. I am loyal to you. But when death comes, when tragedy hits, when things are hard, it doesn't look that easy anymore. But Ruth says this to Naomi, where you die, I will die. Meaning even after you're gone, even after you are no longer here, my loyalty is till the end of my life. That is true loyalty. That is true loyalty. And as I was preparing and I was reading this, the Lord began to speak and he was saying, Kate, I'm looking for people who are loyal to me. I'm looking for people that are willing to say, where you live, I will live. And wherever you call me, I'm going to follow after you. But even if it leads to death, even if it leads to the rocky roads, even if it leads to the unknown places where you're terrified and you don't know what is coming next, are you willing to say yes to me? Are you willing to say yes to me? The Lord is looking and searching for those people. Ruth made a choice to follow God wherever that led her, even if it meant giving up all she knew in life. But then she's rewarded for it. Because this amazing thing happens is she meets this man, Boaz, and he falls in love with her. And she goes, and, and as Jewish culture were, she lays at his feet. Thank goodness we don't do this anymore. I wouldn't be married because I hate feet. <laughs> but she goes and she lays herself at his feet and she takes the blanket off and puts her head down there. And, and Boaz wakes up and is like, what's, what's going on? And here's what he says to her. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family, what's the word? Loyalty now than you ever did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone know, Everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. You want to know what Boaz was attracted to? It's her loyalty. Because he was the hot commodity in Bethlehem. He was rich. He had fields. He was good looking. And it uh, to this, I would assume he was a little bit older. So he's held out for a long time in his life, searching and looking. And there were probably many women who would have been more than willing to marry him. And he was looking for the right woman. He was looking for a partner who was going to be loyal to him. Are you loyal to me or are you blown with the wind? Are you loyal to me? And the representation, the beautiful part of this is this is Jesus in the scripture. Boaz is a representation of Jesus. And here's what Boaz does. Once Ruth comes and lays her head at his feet is he goes, I've been waiting for you. Now come, come, let me give you everything I have. And Jesus is in waiting for us and looking for us and saying, are you going to be loyal? Because I have so much for you. All the gifts I have, I want to give to you. All the blessing I have, I want to give to you. But I'm looking for people who will take responsibility in it and cherish it and hold it near and dear and not be flippant with the things I give them. 
Sometimes we think this is a one-party issue and we go, God, give me, give me, give me. But we expect that we don't have to do anything in return. And God is saying, no, I have joy for you. But you partake in this. You partake in this. And when your life looks like this, I'm looking for people who are still willing to say, yes, Yes, I'll be loyal to you no matter where you lead me. I will go wherever you are, Jesus. So that's the first thing is Ruth was loyal. That's the first thing we learned from her. And then the second part, the second thing of how she did so amazingly on this winding road is she was submitted. And we don't like this word right now in culture. This isn't a popular word. I think we think of it as a dog with an owner, and we're like, sit, dog, you submitted. My dog still doesn't do that, but we're working on it. Four years later, we're working on it, and one day we'll get there. (laughs) But we don't like it. We don't like it, and we think, hey, I get to make my own path, and I get to do my own thing, and, and no one gets to tell me who I should be and what I should be doing. In fact, we think of that person, or even when it's God himself coming in and saying, this is wrong. You're not doing the right thing, and you're not submitting to my ways. We go, you're attacking me. You're the enemy. And really, it's almost always out of love. It's out of love. And so Ruth 2, 1 through 6, Ruth 3, 1 through 6, it says this. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter It's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down, then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will do, he will tell you what to do. And here's what Ruth says back to her. I will do everything, everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. You want to know what submission is? It's when God asks you to do something, you say, God, I will do everything you say. I will do everything you say. Ruth honored Naomi. Ruth said, hey, I don't understand this culture. This is a new place for her. This is a new way of doing things. And I think Ruth had an option to go, I'm young and I'm beautiful and I'm smart and I can do it my own way. I don't need your help, Naomi. I don't need what you have to offer. So please just, please just quiet down. I got this. I have this. And that's so not, if she would have done that, imagine what would have happened. If she would have done it in the Moabite way, Boaz would not have liked that. There was a way to do it and a way to honor the culture and to honor the traditions that were held so high in Israel. And Ruth recognized that and had the wisdom to go, Naomi, you're kind of old. You might be a little grumpy. We're very different, but I, I submit to you. I submit to you. There are a lot of times in life where we go, God, I don't fully understand what you're doing, and that kind of doesn't make sense. So I want the end game of what you have for me, but I think I can do it my way. 
God, that actually, I think I have a better way than you. Have you ever thought those thoughts? I have a better way of doing this. I actually know myself more than you. That, that doesn't seem right to me. And young people, I want to say this to you. And I can say it because I'm young and because I'm in this place. But there is this culture that we're being raised in right now that says you get to be entitled. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to come under submission to those who have gone before you. You get to just have it. And I want to say this, there is so much talent in this generation and there's so much anointing and there's so much calling and sometimes we think, I don't need to listen to those who have gone before me because I know what's best. But God says, no, no, honor those above you. Honor those who have gone before you. Learn from their mistakes so that you can go further than what they went Take that and learn that entitlement is never God's way of doing things. Look at the Bible. All these people had to go through seasons of learning and seasons of hiding and seasons of going, God, wait, you want me to undo all that I've done? Because a lot of times, church life, we get to this point. And one little box is out of place. And human nature says, this is good enough. This is good enough. I'll settle for this. I've worked hard. I've earned it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relax now. And God goes, no. No, my son. No, my daughter. This isn't what I have for you. I have ultimate joy at the end of it, and it's not found in this. So again, my question is, do you believe that God has joy and he's working it together at all times, at all moments, and it's going, God, I submit. I want this. I think this looks good, but God, I want you more. God, I want what you have more. Maybe a better way of saying it is this. There are times when we have to submit and do it a way that seems foreign to us, just like Ruth. It didn't make sense to her. But here's the ultimate truth is, If you want God's joy, not your joy, not what you think is joy, but if you want God's joy, you have to be willing to do it God's way. Not a good way, not the way that seems best to you, God's way. And God sometimes says, yeah, you're here, and now you have to undo all that you've just done because it doesn't fit until you unravel it all and go back. Go back to the beginning and start over. And submission says, okay, God. Okay, I want your joy, so I'll do it your way. So that's the second thing we learn from Ruth. And then the third and the last point I want to make is Ruth persevered. And everything that was thrown at her in her life, and all the darkness, because when she left and she went with Naomi, she didn't know what was ahead of her. She didn't know the life that she was going to live. I mean, probably she thought, I'll never have children and I'll never remarry, but that's okay. I'm still going to honor you, God. I'm still going to follow you because I know you're working something for, for me. I know you're doing something and you are always enough. But here's this thing that happens in Ruth 2, 1 through 6. So they get to Bethlehem and they have a house, but they have no food and they really don't have any money. So Ruth is saying, no, we're going to eat tonight. 
We are going to have food on this table. And Naomi, you can't do it, so I'm going to go out and do it. And I'm going to work, and I'm not going to give up because we are going to live. If you're alive, live and keep going and keep running and keep working until you see that joy and until you see what God is doing in your life. So Ruth, it says this, Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out to the harvest fields to pick up all the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And pay attention to this. And as it happened, just randomly, right? This is just a random coincidence. She found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, again, as it just happened, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who's that lady? What, who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. As I was praying and as I was thinking through my message, there are moments when your life is really hard. I get it. This walk, this faith, this thing we're doing, this journey we're on is not always easy and it's not always convenient. And sometimes it's just like, God, why am I here? I bet when Ruth got married, she never pictured her life working with her hands hard, not even with the other harvesters, but behind them, the lowest of the low. And yet God goes, hey, here's this little glimpse in the middle of your suffering, in the middle of your trials. God says, here's a glimpse. Here's a glimpse. Here's a glimpse of what I'm doing. And I believe God is so faithful to do that, that when we're going through hardships and when we're going through things, he likes to give us these little glimpses as it happens. Nothing is as it happened. God planted it that way, and God meant for her to be in that field on that day and Boaz to come and see her. God goes, just hold on. Look for those in the trials. Say, God, would you show yourself? God, would you show yourself to me? Because I, I, can't, I can't see. I don't know where I'm going. And yes, I'm loyal to you. And yes, I'm submitted to you. And I'm still running my race, but God, I just... I need a little encouragement. And I believe he's so faithful to go, oh, my child, you're not at the end yet, but let me show you a little bit of what's coming. Let me give you a little bit of what I have for you. Let me show you. Boaz noticed. What do you think he noticed? Her beauty? I would say most people would say, oh, he noticed her beauty at first. You know what I think he was drawn to and what he was, saw in her was this hard work. Because if we can paint this picture, this woman is probably very sunburned at this point. I doubt there was sunscreen back in that time. She probably was very dusty and very dirty. It was probably not her day that she thought, I'm going to go out and meet my husband. All you single ladies, you get dressed up. (laughs) You single men, you look nice. Or when you were wooing, it's like when you get married all of a sudden, you're like, I don't don't remember you looking like this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? We, we put on our best 
space, as it were, as we're trying to find that person. So Ruth obviously was not planning that. So I don't think Boaz, I mean, yes, she was beautiful, but I don't think that's what he saw first. You know, he saw as a woman who was willing to work and work and do whatever it took to put food on the table. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And God is cheering us on and is so attracted to the people who are like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep running. I am in this race, not just to finish, but to win the prize at the end of all of it. 2 Timothy 2, 5 says, and athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. You have to be willing to do it God's way if you want the prize at the end of it. Because if you're just running it to get to the end, to just survive, then this really is, this is just convenient, this little square. But this, this is where God has the joy, and it's in him, and it's made through him, but it takes us going, I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to stop until I get here. Until I see the joy that you have for me, I won't stop. So church, I tell you today, don't stop. Stop. Keep going. Keep running after him. Don't give up hope because that's exactly what the enemy wants for you. As much as God has joy for you, your enemy has sorrow. Your enemy hates you. He wants to see you give up and he wants to see you knocked down. And nothing pleases the Lord more than you saying, not today. Not today, Satan. You can't have me. I am running after Jesus. So here's how the story of Ruth ends. And I love this. Because church, I totally believe that God has a good story. A joyful story for every single one of us. Every single one of us. But here is what's even better is God has a greater story than our story. Because Ruth 4:17 says this. The neighbor women said, "Now at last Naomi has a son." Now this is Ruth's son. But God goes, "Naomi, I remember where you were at in the desert saying you I turned from you. I remember your cries And Naomi, I was with you all along. I was with you. So really, this is a promise to Ruth, but I haven't forgotten you either. This is your promise too. This is your reminder too that I don't turn my fist in anger toward you. That I love you. That I forgive a hundred billion times. That I lay down my life for you because I love you so much. And you know what they named that son? Obed. And he was the father of Jesse. And you know who father Jesse was? Jesse was the father of David. And I think at any point Ruth had an opportunity to give up. And at any point, Ruth had the moment to say, hey, I wasn't cut out for this. And God says, just keep going, because yes, I have joy for you. And she got a son, and she had a husband. But God said, even greater than your story is always my story. And Ruth, now you are a part of that because you simply said yes to me. 
And David was in the line of Jesus, you guys. And when Ruth said yes, she had no idea that it would lead to the king of kings being born in her family. Sometimes we have no idea what God is doing. And I have this picture that one day we're going to all get to heaven and we're going to go, that's what you were doing? God, if I would have known that's what you were doing, I would have run even further and I would have run even harder because I can't believe you wanted to use me in your great story. But it simply is saying, I'm loyal to you, Jesus. I'm loyal to you. And I submit to you in the moments of chaos and of trials. I submit my life to you. God, I give my life to you. And no matter what, I persevere. Did you know when they read, when, when they talk about the lineage of Jesus, there's three women mentioned. Did you know that? The rest are men. And one of them is Ruth. And the other two are women who really also shouldn't have be, been counted. But Ruth was a foreigner. Ruth wasn't even, she was the one who should have been like, no, let's forget about her. Sometimes the world looks at us or sometimes we look at ourselves and we say, just forget about me. And God says, no, no, I have so much for you. So I want to leave you with this. It is really easy to not take the bad path. That is never the one that we're thinking, um, maybe I should go down that path. Do you want to know what path deters us? It's the good path. It's the good path. It's the path of convenience that takes us away from the God path. The good path is always in opposition from the God path in your life. And today I charge you, take the God path because you don't know what great story you are being woven into. So pray with me right now. Father, we just love you so much. We just love you, Jesus. And we just want to be a part of your story. And we just want to be woven into what you're doing. And God, I pray right now that you begin to stir hearts in this room. God, wherever they're at, wherever they are on their path, Jesus, that you begin to speak into their lives. Keep going. Keep running after me. Because at the end of it, I am working things together for your joy. But greater than that, I have a story I'm telling. I'm painting my beautiful love story, and you get to be a part of it. And if you are in a place right now that you're saying, Kate, I'm about to give up. I'm about to give up because I don't know how to keep running this race, and I don't know how to keep doing this. I was about to give up, but I came today. Because I don't want to give up. I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Hmm. Jesus, I pray for the people who are at that place. God, that you would come and wrap your arms around them. That you would come and whisper in their ear, I love you, my child. Oh, I've seen your loyalty. Let me show you everything I have for you.
Now, you may not get it all at once, but hold on. Hold on because it's coming. Don't give up because at the brink of giving up, I wonder if it's always on the other side of it. You're on the brink of breakthrough in your life. So don't give up because I think the enemy comes at us the hardest right before the breakthrough comes. So don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you that we get to come here and worship you and come here and hear your words for us. How much you love us. We give it all back to you, Lord. In your name, amen.